question that came into us was, can, you know, this kind of this thing that kind of floats around now that, you know, we have all these phrases that we hear in society. Love is love. And this is, and one of them is like, oh, we're all children of God, you know, or, or what is it? It's God in you. Or, you know, it's kind of these phrases that seem to mean something, but don't mean anything at the end of the day. And, and so the question was, can everybody be a child? Does anybody be a child of God? Is everybody just a child of God? Hey, welcome to Whitefields Community Church Sermon Extra. Great to have you with us once again this week. And we are here at the beginning of the year, 2022. And we are into the second uh, sermon of our three-part series, our Vision 2022 um, series for, for, for this year. And we're, we've been looking at it at the church in, in Ephesus and the beginning of that church. And this week we find ourselves in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verses 1 through 16. And the title of the message was a community living out the gospel. And so if you missed that uh, sermon, you can run over to whitefieldschurch.com and click over there and you can find it, download it there. For the last two weeks, you'll find, find both our, our, our two sermons are up there. And, um, if you're watching, you're listening on a podcast or anything like that, you can certainly uh, listen over there. Everything's uploaded. And if you would, you know, get like and subscribe, give us a rate and review and all that fun stuff. Uh, and it just certainly helps us, you know, in the ratings and in, in when people are just the algorithms, when people are typing these questions, you know, they're. They're looking for, for what they want to do with the new year. You know, They're making New Year's resolutions. They're typing things in, and, and maybe we can provide some Christ-centered, gospel-centered uh, answers to their questions. And so, yes. So Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16, a community living out the gospel. And of course, this particular passage, you know, has the, you know, the famous, uh, where, where Paul lays out this, this kind of, Fivefold ministry or fourfold ministry, depending on which one, which school of thought you come from. And we just wanted to kind of talk about that a little bit. Uh, he says in verse 11 of chapter 4, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. And so the question many times arises, you know, when we look at those words, apostles, prophets, you know, are they talking about specific offices that, or do these offices still exist? You know, what, when we're talking about apostles and prophets and, and, you know, what kind of, what exactly is Paul getting at here? Yeah. <clears throat> good question. I know it's a verse that a lot of people turn to and for good reason. Like I said, I mean, this is one of the defining passages, verse 11 and 12, um, that defines who we are and what we do as a church, how we view the church and our relation to it. And I think it's it's super important, right? And what it means is that um, those who are leading in the church, their God-given purpose is not to do the work of the ministry as much as it is to equip the saints, the congregation, the Christians to do the work of the ministry. That that means that it's not like there's a group of professionals who do ministry and the rest of us just kind of like make sure that they're paid, right? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, no, it means that we're all in the ministry and that changes our view of the church. The church becomes the classroom, the gym, the home base where we get equipped, encouraged so that we can be sent out on the mission that God has for us, right? The good works he's prepared for us to walk in. Okay. So you asked this question though, about verse 11. Uh, I'll give you a couple ways it's looked at. First of all, uh, the easy one. Some people say it's a fivefold, or some people say it's a fourfold 
And the question comes down to this at the end of verse 11, where it talks about the shepherds, which is also a word for pastors. So the pastors and teachers. Is pastor and teacher one office or is it two? At the end of the day, I don't think it, it really matters. Um, but personally, I kind of take it as one office. That This is a certain role, somebody who shepherds and, or pastors a congregation and teaches them. But here's why I'm sympathetic to the fivefold people is because I actually think that in any given congregation, like in ours, we have pastors uh, and shepherds who aren't primarily in teaching roles. Now, as we see in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, those who are called into ministry uh, in the overseeing role as elders, uh, they should be capable of teaching others. And it doesn't mean teaching uh, from the front on a Sunday morning necessarily. It could be, I mean, to the point of even uh, teaching children's ministry, teaching youth, teaching people one-on-one, -on -one, explaining the things of the faith to them. That's important. I guess my point is to say that uh, those who teach the congregation and those who shepherd the congregation um, they may be different things, right? We have community group leaders and we always encourage them, shepherd that community group, right? And, um, and so I, I would be sympathetic towards those who say that these are five. At the end of the day, I don't think it really matters. Maybe a bigger question is, who are these apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers that are being referred to? One way you could read this, so here's option number one. Option one is, you could say, when he's referring to this, it's similar to where it says in the New Testament that we are, as Christians, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. So this is another version of that same idea, which says that God gave us the apostles, meaning he gave us the New Testament apostles like Peter, James, John, etc., the 11 disciples of Jesus, of course, 12 minus Judas, and maybe plus Paul, Matthias, and maybe a few others who are listed in the, in the New Testament. So you could say, okay, that's who that's referring to. He gave those to us and he gave us the prophets, meaning the Old Testament prophets, but also we do read that there are New Testament prophets like in 1 Corinthians 14 and in Acts chapter 20. Um, and then the evangelists like Philip the evangelist, right? So it's speaking about people throughout history who God has given up until the present day when we have pastors and teachers for local congregations. That's one way to look at it. The, the downside of looking at it that way is that there are some major questions with that, meaning like, at what point did we stop having apostles and prophets? Um, what about evangelists? Like, we still have evangelists, right? And so it gets into a discussion that's related to another one we had recently as we studied through 1 Corinthians about spiritual gifts and offices. And the question of, are there prophets and apostles particularly today, because I think that nobody would disagree with the idea that there are evangelists today, that there are pastors today, that there are teachers. The question is, are there apostles and prophets? Start with the easy one. Prophets, I would say, based on what we studied in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3, where Paul talks about the New Testament spiritual gift of prophecy, clearly there are prophets. And Paul says, I wish that you all he says, I wish you all spoke in tongues, but more so that you would prophesy. So Paul's wish is that, if possible, everybody could prophesy. Now he makes it clear not everybody has the same spiritual gifts. But the point is that that seems to be an office which Paul not only expects will exist, but encourages people to pray 
for is seek the spiritual gifts, but particularly that you would prophesy. So it seemed that there, there is a difference between Old Testament prophets and a New Testament gift of prophecy that continues to be active, right? So we read about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It says, um, don't despise prophecies, right? So, I mean, that's pretty clear. Okay, so... Um, then how about apostles? Are there modern day apostles? Well, I think that it's really important to remember what that word means. Okay, so the word apostle is not a translation of another word, right? So like evangelist or prophet, these are translations of a word that means something, right? What evangelist means someone who preaches the gospel, the good news. Prophet is somebody who prophesies or speaks forth the word of God. So those are translated words. Apostle is different because apostle is actually what we call a transliteration, which means it's the Greek word apostolos, and it's being transliterated and anglicized into apostle. So we haven't actually, by, by just using that word, we're not, it doesn't tell us anything about what it means. And so what does an apostle mean? Well, I think well, it means someone who is sent out, right, first of all. But I think a better term that we could say if we were going to translate it would be the word ambassador. That's what it is. And here's what's interesting. We have been told in First Corinthians chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that you are ambassadors for Christ. So in one sense, Jesus is the great apostle and high priest of our confession, Hebrews 3 verse 1. There are clearly apostles whom Jesus sent out for a particular purpose at a particular time. And those people were ambassadors of Christ as they walked with him. They received his mission directly from him. They knew his heart after spending years with him. And they were used by God in a specific way to start the church. And scripture was given through some of them. But in another sense, we are all then ambassadors for Christ. So there's a sense in which all of us are called to do that apostolic calling of being ambassadors for Christ. And as we read on Sunday at the very end of the service, John 20, verse 21, Jesus says, just as my father sent me, now I am sending you. So Jesus was an apostolos, an, an apostle, a sent one. And now he has commissioned us and we are lesser apostles in that sense. And so um, to answer that question, are there modern day apostles? I guess to put it succinctly, not necessarily in the same way as the 12 mm -hmm. or more. Like apostle the, capital A. Yeah. We're apostles. We're, are, are we the, but we're not B apostles. <laughs> we're not B apostles. No. We're A apostles. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, um, and yet here's the thing that I would caution people away from. And it's just because I've seen it be weird. And I know you have to, is that sometimes people get this idea that, Hey, I'm an apostle. I need a name tag. I need like a thing on my desk that says I'm an apostle. Uh, please don't call me by my first name. You can call me by the term apostle, right? Like it becomes, it becomes a bit weird when people try to turn it into a, um, position of authority over others. Um, but this is more like a, a calling and an identity and a responsibility that Jesus has bestowed upon us. I know you have some thoughts about this, so I'll wrap it up here with my thoughts and just say, I don't think there are apostles in the same way that the disciples became apostles and were used by God in the first century. And yet I do think there's a way in which all of us are called to be ambassadors for Christ. And yet there are even specific people who, who function in a really 
needed apostolic role. You know, you think about people who really represent Christianity and represent Jesus to the world on a big stage, like Billy Graham's a perfect example. Uh, when people are like, you know, presidents are like, I need to talk to a Christian. They call Billy Graham, right? Like in, in days past. So, so that's my thoughts on it. I know you have some thoughts too. Well, I mean, my, my thoughts are very similar to yours. I think mine was just more applicational over the years as I've looked at the, this passage and kind of taught the passage in, in the context of, of the worship team and in discipleship. And what I've tried to do is try and draw people into the fact, just as you brought up, that at, we are all those things. And it maybe, maybe at one point in our lives, we might be apostles, we might be prophets, we might be evangelists. Maybe we have a strength in one of them. And, and, and many times I've done it in the, in the, you know, just in the, the area of the worship team, like to kind of take us away from, we just play music. No, we, we don't just play music. You know, uh, as a worship team or as a, a musician within the church, you know, I could be an apostle. I could be sent out. We went, we took a worship team and we went to Afghanistan. We were sent out. You know, we went to, took a choir to Poland. We went to Italy. We were sent out. We took the gospel and, and, and then we were prophets. We proclaimed the word of God, you know, through the music we proclaimed or, or we proclaimed, you know, we, we sang our, our songs and then somebody came up and proclaimed the word of God. So we were part of that process. Or, and of course, evangelism is, evangelism is in there. It's how many times I've been on the streets playing music in the square in Hungary or Romania or Poland or wherever it was, you know, being an evangelist, I'm out there singing songs and, you know, and uh, proclaiming the word of God. And then shepherds and teachers within that whole, you know, shepherding, pastoring, that was something that God really taught me over the years is that this group of people, these musicians, these bass players and drummers and guitar players, these are the people that God gave me to pastor. You know, and that's a role I had to step into. And then, of course, when I stepped into that role of pastor, I'm then teaching them. And not only teaching them, I'm teaching the congregation every Sunday morning. I'm, hope, you know, trying to sing Christ-centered, gospel-centered songs that is teaching them. Each week we, we sing songs and they go home and they're singing these truths about God. That's, you know, that's an education. It's teaching them about the nature of God and, and the faithfulness of God and our, and our you know, reaction or our, our response to the revelation of who he is and and so that's kind of how I've in an applicational way looked at that that there kind of all those functions of the Christian life that we might find ourselves in it at some point in time and not to say well I'm not that or I'm not that but to embrace it and in that God might be calling you at this point to be a prophet you know, proclaim the word of God to your kids, you know, or he might be calling you to be a missionary. You're going to be a sent out, you know, you're going to be sent out to, to, you know, we just sent a family out to Senegal, you know, they're, they went as apostles, you know, from, from us, you know, and so, and so that's kind of the, the, my, my thoughts over the years that I kind of applicationally try to, to bring that within my own, uh, you know, sphere of influence as, as a worship pastor or someone's discipling or, or those kind of things. And so I think, and, and I think it's because sometimes people run away from that. Well, I'm not that, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not an apostle. I'm not a prophet. Well, yeah, you're not a apostle, capital A, but God might have a calling on your life to be sent out, you know, to, to, 
you know, to your neighborhood or to your work or wherever it might be. And so I think it just kind of frees us up to be kind of eyes open, eyes up. Something else I used to teach the worship team, don't be focused on your instrument, eyes up, eyes open. What You know, you're a part of a larger thing. And that's what Paul's talking about here. These offices were given to us, these functions and roles were given to us for the building up of the saints of God. And that's you know, what is your part to play? Yeah, you might have a guitar or playing the piano, but you're part of that great body of Christ that's, you know, built, building up into the head. It's Jesus, as we read at the end of chapter, in verse 16, you know, we're all part of that, you know, and so, so it's just, I think it's a way of just being free to, you know, maybe today I'm going to be an evangelist, you know, <laughs> and so, so that's kind of more kind of an applicational way that I've used it over, over the years. But I, yeah, I think it's just a great important way just to kind of dive into it and say, what does the Lord want to tell us through that? And um, so one more question before we go, and this one's maybe not related directly to the text that we had, but it was a question that came into us was, can, you know, this kind of this thing that kind of floats around now that, you know, we have all these phrases that we hear in society, love is love. And this is, and one of them is like, oh, we're all children of God, you know, or, or what is it? It's God in you, or, you know, it's kind of these phrases that, seem to mean something but don't mean anything at the end of the day and and so the question was can everybody be a child does anybody be a child of god is everybody just a child of god yeah so i mean speaking biblically and in theological terms that that when the bible uses that phrase in the new testament children of god it only applies to those who have been born again redeemed and adopted into god's family so you're not a child of god by nature in fact, Ephesians chapter 2, verse uh, 1 and 2, right, it says that we are actually children of wrath by nature. Uh, you were pointing out earlier that Jesus told the Pharisees that they were children of the devil, and yeah. the devil is your father, and that's why you're <laughs> like him, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so uh, you're not born a child of God. You have to be born again to become a child of God. You have to be adopted mm. by God's family. It takes God's intervention to do that. So we would not say, and we can't say biblically and theologically, that everybody is God's child. Now, what people mean when they say that is actually an important thing, but they shouldn't confuse the terms because theology matters and precision matters, right? So um, what they mean by that is that God has an invested concern in every single human being. And that's absolutely true because every being is created by God, knit together in their mother's womb by God. He knows how many hairs are on their head. Uh, not a single one of them falls without him caring about it. And, um, and we are created in God's image. So we inherently have dignity, value, and worth as those created by God in his image for whom he cares. In fact, he cares so much that he sent his son to redeem us so that we would not uh, end in death and darkness, but in light and life. Um, so it's just important to differentiate. I think what they're trying to get at by saying that is a very true and important thing, but the terminology matters because otherwise we can get confused, right? And we can say, you know, well, isn't everybody a child of God? Well, no, not, not in the way that the Bible uses that term. Um, the, the other one is, God is in all of us. Well, the Bible make it clear that no, that's not true. That's something that happens as a work of redemption in your life that the Holy Spirit um, 
comes and indwells you. And in that sense, God is in, but he's not in everybody. He's in those who have been born again through faith in Jesus. Yeah, and I think that's a key phrase that you brought up was that we need to be born again, mm-hmm. born again into the family of God to become children of God. And so that's a key. But, but you know, as you pointed out, and I think this was in, your, in our very, very first uh, uh, sermon of this particular series in, in case people, we didn't do a sermon extra on it, but uh, if you haven't seen that, but you bring up that fact that Jesus wept he, over Jerusalem. You know, he had pity. He looked over the city and he cried. He, his heart broke for the city of Jerusalem. And so we know that God looks, as you said, John three sixteen. for God loved the whole world that he sent his whole son. And so, you know, that it's important that you make that distinction that the, the love of God for his creation is there. But to become a child of God, we need to be born again. John chapter four, or John chapter three in, in Jesus, um, conversation with Nicodemus. And so, yeah, no, great thing. So if you've missed any of these two, we have one more to go. So one more to go next, um, coming up in this is next week, we're going to be looking at the church of Ephesus again in Revelation chapter two. So, um, you want to be there for that online. If you are here in person or catch us online. Um, but if you missed any of that, please whitefieldschurch.com, get over there. And if you have any questions, you know, just like things that come up, please just let us know. We're happy to answer them and, and talk through them and, and uh, see what the Lord has to say from his word. So we look forward to seeing you again next week. God bless. <laughs>